What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod, and we are going to keep it rolling with our division previews. I uh, hope everyone is doing well and ready for the NBA season. It's just such a great time of the year. Playoff baseball is amazing. No one can tell me otherwise. I love. I do. I do really enjoy playoff baseball. Um, football is fun because of fantasy football, but we got. The pride and joy of my heart, basketball on its way Tuesday. Um, we're, so we're going to continue to fire out these division previews. So uh, today we are going to be rolling to the Eastern Conference. We went through the West, um, and so now we're going to head to the Central. Central in the Eastern Conference. We're going to start with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Chicago Bulls had a, I think by their standards, it was a good year. Last year, 46 and 36, uh, bring on DeMar DeRozan, first full year with Nikola Vucevic. Um, dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, Alonzo goes down, Alex Caruso missed a lot of time. Zach Levine had a knee injury basically all year. Um, and they just grinded it out. They, they really took a step as a team where um, – and they faded down the stretch for sure and got absolutely handled by the uh, Milwaukee Bucks without Chris Middleton. But it was a step. It was a, a step because – uh, what you what you want to see with these teams is the ability to grind out games when you're not playing your best. The ability to not always have to rely on being a flow offensively. Um, and I feel like there were plenty of instances where things weren't going great, but they grinded it out. And so that was a step for me. And I feel good about the the coaching staff. I think Billy Donovan's in a, done a really good job um, with what he has there. But I think that the roster is constructed, uh, I'm not going to say poorly. I don't think poorly is the right word. But I think you would think they would be better based off the talent that they have, right? When you see when you see a guy like DeMar DeRozan going silky smooth, mid-range pulls, um, you know, Zach Levine, explosive off the bounce, but a great shooter. Vucevic, who puts up great numbers. You think, oh, they, they kind of have a big baby big three. Like, this team could be kind of nice. Um, but the defense is just where it, it comes down to. Um, they don't have really any rim protector. Um, and it, it's not like, you know, they, they're locked into the, the, the concepts, but for whatever, not even for whatever reason, their, their actual personnel is just limited defensively. And I, I think it limits their upside. Now, they struck gold last year with Iodon Sumu, uh, especially with, you know, the way Lonzu went down. Um, and obviously prayers up for him. He, he, I mean, it is, I can't really think of a, a guy who suffered as much as he has, uh, injury wise, just like obviously guys through, go through stuff, maybe Jonathan Isaac, but like, dude, I mean, he, he had surgery in the middle of last year and he can't walk right now, you know, like he can't go upstairs. So I don't think you can count on him coming back even this season. Like I, could I see it at the end? Maybe, but like. I don't think you're counting on, on Lonzo Ball this year if you're the Chicago Bulls. But again, Aodon Sumu stepped up. He will be the starting point guard. Sneaky guy to target in uh, fantasy drafts, actually. You can get him pretty, probably pretty damn late. He's going to be the starting one. Not going to put up uh, a ton of points. Uh, not going to have like a crazy, crazy usage. But going to be a really good good source of assists, for sure. For sure. Um, as for the team... Um, so the, the total was at 44 and a half, um, before the Lonzo news broke that, Hey, like Lonzo's knee is broken. Like it's, it's not working. Um, 
And it, it shot down to 41 and a half and to the point now where I think 41 and a half is going to give you value on the over. Um, basically, all they have to do is be one game, two games above 500. They got to go 42 and 40, um, which I think is doable, right? Like 46 wins last year. And that, and that was the first year where the quote big three was together, right? Um, so you'd like to think there's a little bit more continuity there. There's a little bit more comfortability. They also were without Patrick Williams for all of last year. Uh, he's coming back. It, the book's still out on him in terms of like what the impact level is and, and the ceiling. Uh, but he's a guy I like. He's a guy I would bet on to be pretty damn good. He's kind of like the Bulls' own version of DeAndre Hunter, injury prone, uh, you know, supposed wing dogged defender uh, with offensive talent who just has to be able to translate actually cash in on that offensive talent and prove it. But I, I think he can be good. Um, they've got some great glue guys. They got some great glue guys. Uh, Alex Crusoe is one of the best glue guys in the league. Um, you've seen that great defender, great connector, great passer, always going to make the right play. Um, and you feel pretty good when he's wide open in the corners, which is where he likes to take his threes. Javante Green is coming out the woodworks as a really good glue guy. Um, yeah, again, yeah, I think you're seeing these guys kind of take the Gary Payton molds where they're really good on ball defenders and then they're really good cutters off the ball. They're always reading where there's going to be space um, and moving and making uh, the jobs of, of their primary ball handlers, in this case, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine's lives easier. I think, though, really what it's going to come down to is uh, is Vooch. Uh, Vooch has to, like, Vooch, uh, you know what you're getting with him, right? You're getting a high IQ basketball player who uh, is going to make the right play um, and is very skilled offensively, not just as a scorer, but as a passer. But he had a really down year offensively last year, um, and they still were where they were. So, um I think if, if he can take a step forward and then Zach's not worried about the knee, um, I think those three pillars can can get this team above 500. It's definitely a lean on the over. Now, is this team going to make any noise in the playoffs? No, this is a this is a team built for a first-round exit. This is a team that grinds out the regular season, gets a 7-2 if things really, really go well, a four seed, um, and then they lose in the first round to someone that is just built better for the playoffs that has more defensive stability. So um, good team, not great team, slightly, just slightly above average. Um, curious to see if Kobe white can take a jump. He is still very talented. Um, and I, I, you know, I can't be fully out on him. Andre Drummond is taking threes in the preseason. He's a nice backup big uh, for Vooch. Ultimately a slightly, slightly above average team. That's not going to, really make any real noise but 41 and a half seems a tick low it just seems a tick low like this is a team that missed lonzo for really all of last year or not all of last year but all of the second half of last year and then they didn't have caruso and so you lose lonzo which hurts but you got guys like ao and caruso who step up and understand that you know they know going into this year what their role is going to be you have more familiarity I think this is a tad low. I, I'd probably set it at 40. I, I Maybe you, you take a game off from the Lonzo thing. But I, I don't think Lonzo is worth a whole three and a half games. And I think part of this, too, might have been the Cavs trade, right, and the Cavs shooting up. But still, uh, I think this is an overreaction to the but a combination of those news. Uh, and I would, I would lean the over here. All right, let's keep it rolling with the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you guys did not know, huge, huge trade. 
Um, and I was not expecting Donovan Mitchell to end up in uh, in Cleveland at all. That was, I mean, they're like probably like in the top ten teams in in terms of landing spots. Um, but when it happened, I mean that that's an absolute game changer. That's an absolute game changer. And you, and you look at last year, right? Um, and they end up going forty four and thirty eight, faded down the stretch, lost in the play to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, a team just that that had a lot more experience. Um, but I think they were actually a lot better than their 44 and 38 implies because that was a 44 and 38 where one, their win total was set, I think in the high twenties, maybe at best low thirties. And then on top of that, they lose Ricky Rubio to a torn ACL. And I know some of you might be thinking like, okay, Ricky Rubio, like, you know, whatever. Ricky Rubio was a really big backup point guard for them. Um, and he was calling Sexton who, again, this was a team that really lacked scoring outside of Darius Garland gone right evan mobley missed a decent chunk of games um he dealt with a couple different injuries nothing crazy but he missed a decent chunk of games jared allen missed a decent chunk of games even darius garland missed some games with his back so this is a team that honestly was decimated with injuries even in the playing game jared allen was just coming back from a broken finger and probably you know if it wasn't a playing game would not have been playing so um it was an impressive 44 and 38 it wasn't like you know some teams will get to the hawks were 43 and 39 that was a very non-impressive 43 and 39 so um i think that just goes to it just speaks to the the coaching staff and the togetherness that they have as a group you watch them they really loved playing with each other they came played hard every night and they played together every single night and when when that happens you again we talk about it a lot of times you look for teams that get them. You can tell based off the talent level who is getting the most, which coaching staff, which group is getting the most out of the group. Um, and, and the Cavs are one of those teams that absolutely got the most out of the group. Now, you look at this roster, it's Darius Garland, who is absolutely legit, right? Like, I think right now you you look at the top young point guards. Obviously, you go Luka. Um, but then I, I think the guys that get brought up are, at, you know, at the forefront of this next um, era of, of great point guards are, are jaw and Trey. I, I honestly don't think it's crazy to put Darius in there, right? Like I think John Trey have had these crazy high usage roles. They also, I think jaw came into the, the league the same time. Trey's been in, in the league for a little bit longer, but I, I do, I do. I don't think it's crazy to say, you know, DG's going to join that tier um, if he hasn't already. And so, but the, but the thing with DG is, I think he's a little different from Trey and Jaw that I think it's not that Trey and Jaw are ball hogs. It's not that Trey and Jaw don't make their teams better, but I think they're just a little bit more ball dominant where I've seen, you know, um, I've seen DG. DG prefers to set his teammates up. DG has no issues going a couple minutes, not shooting the ball. Like DG is a team first get his guys going point guard pass. I honestly think he's a pass first guard despite his, but he's a great, great score at all three levels. So I, I have no concerns about the, the fit there. I really don't. I think offensively the fit is amazing. I think where people have concerns is the defense, but I don't think people realize this was an elite defense last year. It was an elite defense last year with DG at point guard with Ricky Rubio out there for some time with, with Colin Sexton who are all undersized guards. Um, I'm not worried about the undersized, you know, backcourt. And you really look around the league. 
how, how many teams are there that are, are led on defense by their backcourt? Like that's not really a thing. What your backcourt is usually there to do is, is provide offense. Um, and you, you see right here, you, you just have the twin towers, right? Like you have Evan Mobley as a help side, weak side defender at the rim, elite, elite blocker, uh, rim protector. And you have Jared Allen. You have two absolutely elite rim protectors. Let's pull up Jared Allen's uh, stats last year at protecting the rim. He had to have been one of the best, but I want to make sure that I have the direct numbers in front of me. Um, okay, so as a interior defender, uh, yeah, players shot 12.17% worse, 12.17% worse. He was 99th percentile in adjusted rim points saved per 75 possessions, 99th percentile in overall rim protection. Uh, just, just an absolutely elite defender. And so when you get beat at the point of attack, but have a guy like Jared Allen back there, it helps mitigate a lot of what you are missing uh, at the rim. And it's not just Jared Allen, right? Like it's 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 Evan Mobley as well. I'm sure his numbers weren't as good just because, you know, he's a rookie, but let's pull him up as well. But you know he has it. You know he has it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, player shot 7.2% worse. Not, not the same 12% as Jared Allen, but – uh, 98th percentile as well in rim protection. Just absolute elite rim protectors. Guys that save your ass time and time again. And I know we heard it so many times, right? Donovan Mitchell can't play defense. Donovan Mitchell this, that. Dude, it's just different. When you're in Utah and you are the primary guy, like even today, I'm hooping. It's completely different when you are tasked with a large offensive load and when you have people to spread the ball around to. And I know he has Mike Conley. I know he has Jordan Clarkson. But the offense ran fully and completely through Donovan Mitchell. And it takes a lot of energy to do that. It's just basic math. It's just basic. It's not math, but it's like, dude, if you're grinding and the key guy that the defense is focusing on on offense and it's an absolute you know, grind on offense for you. And you're, you're taking that, that takes a ton of your energy. And obviously he's, he's still got to be accountable for sure. Right. Like he's still responsible, but I think this team sets him up so much better to be an effective defender. Um, and this team as a whole just defended a lot better than Utah did last year. And that was with Rudy Gobert. So um, I got, I, I think there's some people, you know, a little bit concerned about about the defense here. I'm not. This was an elite defensive team this year or last year. It's not going to change just because Donovan Mitchell comes and he has the tools. He has the length. He has the athletic ability. Like I just uh, I I would not worry about it the way that some people are worrying about it. So um, yeah, I I got really no concerns with this team. This is a really good team. This is a really good team. And then you're not even looking at Karis Levert who. To me, makes a lot more sense off the bench. Um, but that's because he's been kind of a microwave scorer who when I caught when when you call someone a microwave scorer, you call them that because that's kind of what they do. And they kind of need the ball to do it. And so usually these microwave guys come off the bench with the bench unit and their role, opportunity, usage is able to rise because you're obviously you're not playing with the starters the bench unit doesn't score as well and so that's where you you kind of stick them in 
And I think I I think um I'm blanking on his name. Blanking on the Cavs coach's name. Uh, uh JB Bickerstaff. JB Bickerstaff. I think JB Bickerstaff knows that. So for me, him putting him in at the starting three, I think that that shows a lot of confidence in uh Karish's, you know, progression this offseason to to be able to score off ball, to be able to defend, to be able to make the right read, um, to not just be limited to microwave scoring. On top of that, you have Isaac Okoro, good three and D guy. I like Lamar Stevens. I like Dean Wade as a uh, stretch big. Obviously, Kevin loves a stretch big who you know gets cooked on defense. But again, if you're playing him next to Mobley or next to Allen, both of those guys uh, can help mitigate you know some of the weaknesses that K Love has. And what K Love can absolutely do is stretch the floor, grab boards, uh, great outlet passer, great passer in general. Uh, it's just a deep team. It's a team with a lot of talent at the top end. It's a team with rim protectors, which, you know, I am an absolute sucker for rim protectors. And it's a team with uh, offensive, elite offensive creators in Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell. We grabbed uh, over 43 and a half, I believe, um, when the news broke. Again, if you guys don't follow me and you are a better, uh, go ahead and do that at Hoopshive on Twitter. We grabbed that as soon as the Donovan news, Donovan news hit. Uh, it's now up to 47 and a half. And I think 47 and a half is fair. Uh, the East is better. The West is better. The league in general is going to be better. Last year was a down year just in terms of injuries, I feel like. You got, um, and just in general, I think some of these talent, talented young players are going to take steps. Um, so as a whole, the, the, the league is better. But I think the Cavs are, are a really good team. Um, and as long as they stay healthy, I'd lean over. But it's not something I'm going to bet on, especially as I you know, already have grabbed a, a better number. Um, but nothing but good things to say. This is a really good team and uh, I'm excited to see, you know, um, where this goes with them. All right. Next up, we're going to roll on with the Detroit Pistons. Their winter total is at 29 and a half. Um, and for those of you that, that don't know, uh, their GM Troy Weaver took over about three, four years ago. Um, and they were, they were in basketball purgatory. They're in basketball pur- purgatory. Their best player is Blake Griffin who, um, you know, obviously we know that, you know, what kind of where he's at now. He's end of bench uh, type of vibes. But at the time, he was coming off an all-star year, but you could sort of see like, hey, his game isn't going to go gracefully. Like, uh, and again, he already had to make a post like, because when he came in, he was just dominant as an athlete. Um, and then he had to make an adjustment. Hey, like I got to be able to shoot. Um, he was able to actually learn how to put the ball on the floor. Like he wasn't just this rolling big. He had other facets to his game, but again, fa- phasing out, especially because of the injuries he dealt with. So they got off him. Um, and I believe got some decent value back for him. Didn't bring back Drummond. Um, and then Derek Rose was the kind of the other guy at the time that was just grinding through games with them. Um, and obviously he's gone. And they tank, they get a bunch of good dra- draft picks, they they make their they take their shots on their guys. Um, and it's resulted in a young core of Cade Cunningham, who I personally believe can be a number one. Uh, obviously, it's year two, so we're still kind of early into that. But like a lot of times, dudes, like the dudes, uh, they take big year two jumps. Um, and sometimes it's year three, sometimes it's year four, sometimes it's a combination. But uh, expect to see a jump from Cade as a guy who's just a do-it-all big guard can can take the load of, of uh, a number one because of his size and frame. 
uh, isn't just a scoring. He's another guy like DG that I consider pass first. I think he wants to make a play before for someone else rather than himself um, in general. <clears throat> but he's fully capable of scoring, right? And so they have him drafted Jaden Ivey, who I felt like was a good value this year. Uh, obviously, it remains to be seen. I'm not. I don't watch college a ton, but from everything we've seen so far, he looks like he's going to be a really good player. Sadiq Bay, who they they grabbed kind of late, but uh, almost like a Chris Middleton light, much lighter, right? Like he he definitely has to work on the percentages, but in terms of while he's out there on the court, he's like a bigger, stockier Chris Middleton, kind of in the way he works and operates and the shots he takes on offense. And again, gonna have to work on the consistency, uh, but the ability, the ability is absolutely there. Uh, played all 82 last year. Isaiah Stewart, who I know a lot of people are out on, uh, he's 6'9 and actually protects the rim very, very well. I think that uh, is something that I didn't really know about Isaiah Stewart. I test-wise, I, I never really saw anything that made me think, okay, he's a he's a presence down there, a consistent presence down there. Now I'm going to look at the difference uh, in field goal percentage uh, for the average player at the rim versus him and see – yeah, dude, um, opponent shot 11% worse at the rim with Isaiah Stewart there. Like that, that's something I really just did not expect or know. Um, and he's still super, super young. So they believe in him. Um, and that's another good one of Troy Weaver's guys. Killian Hayes still has a ways to go. Um, but the talent's there and you've just got to try. You, you never know if it's year two to year three, year three to year four. You never know when that jump's coming. Um, and sometimes it never comes, honestly, but sometimes it does. Um, and so he gets that young talent, and then he buys buys vets cheap. He, he gets Bojan Bogdanovich for really nothing, um, Kelly Olenek, you know. Uh, he gets Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel for basically nothing. Um, he buys Bagley for, you know, what I would say is a buy low. I know he hasn't played super well, but – as a number two pick just four or five years ago, like the talent is absolutely still there. And so he's it's 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 a really cool team and it's a cool opportunity for Troy Weaver to, you know, take his young guys, see them develop, see, you know, the market and, and what guys can get cheap and and find vets that can fill roles next to these guys. And I think Alec Burks, Noel, uh Bagley's just got hurt, but Burks, Noel, and Bojan are all gonna be key parts of this rotation. Um, and I think the goal here with the Pistons is it's similar to the Magic, which we'll get. But I, I think all these teams, the Magic, Thunder to an extent, I think the chat thing changes some things, but Magic, Pistons, Thunder, um, Rockets, they're trying to take the Cavs like jump. Because last year before the, the season started, no one expected to be the Cavs to be in the plane. Like no one expected that. Um, but then there they were, despite all the injuries, right? And I think – that's the goal here because people, uh, you know, they always want to just play the young guys, the young guys, the young guys and develop them. But at a certain point, you need vets to kind of mix with that unless they're super, super talented young guys to help kind of show the way and show how you win at the biggest of stage. And so uh, I think the goal for Troy Weaver and them this year is to be competitive. Um, I think 29 and a half is fair. And again, the rest of the league is a lot better than it was. Um, but you're seeing it. Even the books are expecting a six point increase. So uh, for me, I think that line's fair. I think they win right around 30 games. Um, and I think they'd be happy with that. Just a, just a jump, right? And then next year you're looking to go get play-in vibes. But who knows? If if Cade is the real deal, if uh, like the real, real deal, if Jaden Ivey is ready to go off the bat, if Sadiq takes a leap, like if any of these young guys take a leap, 
the, the ceiling becomes even higher. But it's a fun, young, talented team that actually plays really hard, uh, shares the ball, and I'm excited to see. I'm excited. It's always cool to see uh, when you have a young group of guys that have the opportunity to actually take a sizable jump to where the team, the the, the record changes, right? When you can overcome a team uh, in the East that has a, you know, bringing back their older core. Um, and I think the Pistons are definitely on the right track, and, and we'll see. We'll see. All right, now we got the uh, the Pacers. Uh, pretty pretty damn low win total, 23.5. Might be the lowest on the board this year. And I can't lie. I think coming into this pod, I didn't really think much of them. I didn't really think much of them. Like, ah, whatever, it's the Pacers. Um, and I don't even – the more I've gone into it, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. There's a lot of young talent here, and they're, you know – they're trying to do the same thing the Rockets are and the Pistons are and the Magic are, and they haven't nailed that number one pick. Uh, and last year was really the first year that they were fully a part of the lotto, right? So they don't have quite the sexy young talent uh, the way some of these teams do, but there's still talent there. Uh, there's definitely still talent there, and it all starts with with Tyrese Halliburton. Um, Halley's a super hard read for me, and I, I think in – terms of consensus i'm uh i think i'm maybe s- slightly lower on him than most but i think that's just because it's you know the consensus is sky high like you're seeing him eight in fantasy leagues and and you there's really no one who has i i, I haven't heard of anyone who says ah, i don't really like tyrese halliburton um I, let me explain why i'm lower when i say i'm lower i just feel like tyrese halliburton's uh ascension coming into the league has a lot to do with how smart he is already and his basketball IQ. And his adjustment process to the league was a lot smoother than I think a lot of rookies have. So you take, for for example, Jalen Green, who physically is just a, more gifted to me. You know, if I'm watching both those guys on a basketball court, Jalen Green is the more gifted player. Tyrese Halliburton's basketball IQ, though, he came in so much further along than Jalen Green. Like, so much further along. He's reading the game a lot quicker. He's making decisions quicker. He's ha- He has a better understanding of what it takes to win mentally. And obviously, his skills aren't bad either. But when he, he comes in with that, and I think a lot of times we, why we, you know, expect the growth of the rookies is because there's a mental adjustment. And, and once you get that, then you can really make the most of your physical tools. But I think Tyrese came into the league already making the most of his physical tools, like almost immediately. Uh, I'm sure there's somewhat of an adjustment still, but like almost immediately he was a really, really good player. So I think because he's been this good this early, people just expect the ceiling to be so sky high. Um, And while it's still a high ceiling, I think he can be your starting point guard on a really good team. Um, I I don't know that it's like, uh, you know, I don't know that the ceiling is as high as people think. Regardless, He's a really fun young player. He's going to be a huge part of this team. He's going to get plenty of minutes. He's always making the right play. Um, but it's just a funny roster. It's a funny roster because there are still vets here, right? Like Miles Turner is at this point, he's not even, he's a vet, but he's not even old, right? Like he's still young, but he just probably doesn't fit the Pacers timeline. So, you know, ideally they're looking to get some players back for him, showcase him. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, and then you have, kind of the same vibes with buddy healed who is gonna help definitely help this team win but like does he fit the timeline no not at all let's get to the young players benedict Mathern has been unreal 
uh, in the preseason. He's a guy that I was decently high on, but again, we don't. I don't watch uh, a, a lot of college basketball, and it's a really it's a completely different game. There's a ton of different factors um, that I feel like you really have to be watching that the game and get the a feel for you know the intangibles that come with that that guy playing um, to to know if hey is this guy going to be good? But he led the preseason in scoring, and obviously it's the preseason, but he looks really good. Great young piece. Chris Dorte is a guy who gets a lot of hate because he's already older. When I say hate, I just mean they don't quite necessarily believe in that player. Um, but and he's again, he's already what twenty five, which is which is very old in NBA years, especially for it being his second year. But I like him as a three and D, uh, and I think there's some on ball creation there as well. Jalen Smith showed some stuff last year. They bought low on Aaron Neesmith, and then they still have Isaiah Jackson. Uh, who is a their first round pick? One of their first round picks from last year, at the end of the first, who showed uh, a lot of potential as a an explosive, explosive uh, rim roller uh, and a guy who can really get out and run in transition as a big. He will run the floor, and if you just throw it up, he'll catch it. Regardless, they're not going to be a good team this year. I think this is one of the teams that absolutely. I think the Spurs and the Pacers are two teams that are absolutely in the tank for Wemby and Scoot race. And again, you look at it. Right, the the Pistons, the Magic, even the Thunder to an extent, and the Rockets—they've had now back-to-back years where they're picking high in the lottery, and now the the priority starts to shift towards a, a little bit more putting a culture together and taking a step. Right, you can only tank and get you know as much talent as you can for so long until you have to actually start translating that talent into wins in production. Um, the Pacers and Spurs, this will be kind of their first year. They were both in the the you know the mediocre range where it's like all right we're at least somewhat competitive but all that means is that we're either a first round exit or we're not getting into the playoffs and our pick is at the end of the lotto um, and they're both transitioning now towards all right let's go maximize we know the the time and the stage that we're in and so I wouldn't touch this total um, I think they're gonna be honestly they're gonna have some fun moments some fun games have some fun players. The Halley to, to um, Isaiah Jackson lobs are going to be crazy, um, but they're not going to win very many games. But I, I think they're more fun than I initially realized. All right, then we got the Milwaukee Bucks coming in with our last team. Um, and I feel like this is one of those teams that almost doesn't really need to be talked about too much um, because they're the Milwaukee Bucks, and everyone's familiar with them, and everyone's familiar with the biggest pieces. and we we kind of know who they are um but if it needs to be said to me i i feel like honestly at this point if anything they're being slept on a little bit i feel like i see a lot of warriors uh to win the championship um not that that that's not a bad call um but warriors celtics to run it back uh sixers to take a leap and be there clippers nuggets um you know so i feel like six in the East, maybe, but Nets even some. Uh, but I think I think this team's the favorite. I think this team's a favorite. This is the team that won it all two years ago, right? So they have that experience. They've been there, done that. They have, in my opinion, the best player in the league when everyone's healthy and right and their best. I think it's Giannis right now. Like, you have an unbelievable defender, both on ball and uh, vocally as a leader on the back line. He's a great a uh, weak side helper. He's great in the passing lanes. And this is probably the best transition player of all time that we've ever seen. We've never seen a uh, close to a seven-footer basically 
with a guard like get downhill, get out of the way, so long, stride. Like you can't really guard him one-on-one in transition. When he's coming with a full head of steam, he's Euroing one way. And you either go with him and he's Euroing back and dunking it or laying it. Or you try to play him on the back and he just goes through you. You need to build walls. You need to like transition. It's terrible. Like it's a nightmare trying to defend it. And so that's why in the regular season they win so many games because transition is obviously it gets slowed down in the playoffs. But in the regular season, that's transition, transition, transition. So uh, this team should go over 53 and a half. If I had to choose for sure, it's going over 53 and a half. Now the Chris Middleton injury, uh, I don't think he's going to miss a lot of time. I don't think he'll be back at the start, but he should be back relatively soon. Um, and Giannis and Drew are enough in the regular season. Like, even if Chris Middleton misses out the first month, it's not like the Bucks are in trouble that month, in my eyes. And honestly, the, the one thing you would say for the, the win total this year is that I, I think they're going to rest because they have the big picture in mind. But it's not going to be obnoxious. It's not going to be a ridiculous amount. It'll be a back-to-back here and there. Um, and I think there's enough baked in. I, I, I win that. I, I think they win 55, 56 games, um, which is so doable. You already have a little bit of cushion in there too with, with the team total. So 52 and a half, they got to win 53 games. Like that seems a, a touch low. Like we know who, the, who this team is. They won the finals. And then last year they lost in seven to the eventual Eastern conference champions without their second best player, without Chris Middleton, like the whole series, right? Um, they still have Brooke Lopez, who's severely underrated as a rim protector. Uh, they still have Bobby Portis, who I feel like no one really talks about how big he's been off the bench for them, but he's been amazing as a scorer, as a rebounder, as an energy guy, as a guy who can space the floor. Like, um, Pat Connaughton's still there. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen do exactly what they want, right? Like this team wants to space the floor on offense, get their best players into space to make plays, and then obviously defend at a high level. And Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen are two guys that can defend and have the size in it to, to defend wings and guards at the same time and sit in the corners, sit at the wing. And if teams overhelp on Giannis or Middleton or Drew, be ready to catch and shoot. So this is a team 52 and a half seems low, and I feel like this team doesn't get any love. Yes, the Warriors are the champions. Yes, the Celtics beat them last year, but it was up their second best player. And it's not like there are really any questions with any of those big three. Drew, Giannis, Middleton, you absolutely know what you're going to get. No drama, no bullshit. You'd like uh, Chris to be a little healthier, but it's a good-ass team. Really good-ass team. And just like no no up and down. Like with the Sixers, right, you you could see this really high ceiling, but you could also see this low-ish floor. The Nets, same thing, right? Very high ceiling if KD and Kyrie are rolling and the, and the role players figure out what they need to do to – to get the most out of those two high ceiling a lot of ways that could go really bad honestly celtics i'm not even going to say that they're a low ceiling right like you know what you got they got better honestly with malcolm brogdon um but new coach absolutely new coach you don't know how the email thing's going to work out uh clippers high ceiling honestly high floor but like that team the two guys they rely on have not stayed healthy at all for the last three years like Maybe this is a year, but maybe it's not. Maybe it, maybe it's a four straight year where one of them su- suffers an injury that actually significantly uh, affects their season. With the Bucks, you don't have really those concerns. Like there's no up and down. The culture's solid. 
It's basically the same. It is the same core, and the coach is the same. So very safe bet to me. This is a team that, I, I mean, you want to – when they were rolling and, and won the title two years ago, they were like a, almost an auto bet. Like, find these good teams. I, I almost feel like in basketball, really good teams almost get underrated. And that sounds crazy. But, like, again, I'm not a – I'm not like as in tune with football. I love sports and I'm watching football and watching baseball, but like in baseball, if a really good team is playing, they could easily be minus 200. Right. And that's just kind of what it is. Um, You can't really bet on sure. You can go bet run line, but like, you know, baseball things happen, football things happen, basketball things happen, but I feel like the really good teams, they take care of business more often than not. So it's a team I'll bet on. It's a team that uh, I don't hate taking a shot on for the title i know i hit the sixers but those are really really damn good odds um but yeah can't say enough good things this is the the cream of the crop for sure and this is the vision and honestly in my eyes in the east all right guys that's gonna do it we got two more left i got a season preview coming up with sergeant chuck thank you for tuning in i love you guys and uh we'll be back soon peace